0: Welcome to Locked on Flames! Today we chat about if the Flames erased their previous playoff reputation in, ga- in four games against the Jets. And we look ahead to all of their potential opponents in the first round coming up next week. Plus, it's Friday so we hand out our winners and losers of the week. I'm Jess Balmosto alongside Sean Lavery. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Flames for free. Wherever you get your podcasts, you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. So we are officially like 21-ish hours post-WIN. I'm still happy for the Flames and very much looking forward to Still getting to watch them in Edmonton. Sean, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. I'm tired. I'm excited. It was nice to (laughs) everyone here in Calgary was just a little bit happier and uh, had a little extra pep in their steps. So um, it was an exciting night last night. And, uh, you know, we kind of – everyone was a little bit happier here today. So it's nice to see. We'll have Harrison Lee from Locked on Jets on later in the podcast. Uh, I wonder – Harrison is obviously a great (laughs) podcast host. I wonder how kind of bummed out he might sound after – that would be a tough series to be a fan yeah. of the Jets for, because you just kind of, you feel so helpless again with all the injuries, like what can you do? And um, But give credit to the Flames. They played well, as we talked about plenty yesterday. But just yeah. my question for you, did the Flames play well enough in just that short four game sample size that all those kind of playoff demons of the past are now gone? Like, is that over? Is this the brand new Flames team in the playoffs? Or, or do you think we're going to see the same old Flames once the series kicks back up to a best of seven?
0: You know, I want to say that all the demons and the skeletons in their closet are gone. I think that the um, the qualifying round was sort of like a rebirth for them. And, um, you know, it, it was really nice to see everybody kind of congratulating each other. And it didn't um, just fall on one guy. Like, everybody was kind of giving props to their other teammates and just... nice so hopefully it's a a more cohesive group and i can't remember who said it or tweeted it um but they said that um jeff ward has really done a good job bringing these guys together so props to him
1: i think that was mark giordano i I believe I, i saw the same quote i think it was giordano might have been lucic but um Regardless, I think it was definitely a Flames player that said Mm -hmm. that quote. Um, So that's kind of the most, you know, authority you need as as a player talking about their coach. It doesn't get much better than that. For me, like, this is tough. Like, part of me wants to be positive and be, you know, on the side where all the demons are gone and the Flames Mm -hmm. have kind of figured things out in the playoffs. Um, But this is going to sound unfair, but the fact that the Jets had the injuries that they did, it just leaves that, like, door cracked open for me where, you know, they kind of – Like last night I made the argument that the Flames, um, you know, they won this series by playing well themselves. Sure, they had a little bit of help with injuries. um, But to be fair to the Flames, they played well and they did everything they were supposed to do and executed where they were supposed to execute. But in this grand scheme of are the demons gone, you know, the injury thing with the Jets, it just leaves that door open to me where, you know, I want to see the Flames do it against some adversity, I guess, would be the way to say it. Um, I mean, sure, the Flames had adversity where they lost – Um, game two directly after the Jets had um, their first game without their star players. I mean, that's probably some level of adversity, um, but I don't know. It just, it doesn't feel like enough to me. And it's not fair to say given how high I was on the flames last night after their win and how much credit I gave them for doing all the things they needed to do. Um, So I'm not sold yet, but uh, my God, we saw them, like they literally checked off every box they needed to with great goaltending. Their first line showed up. Lucic was a factor, Um, once Mark Jankowski came into the game and Zach Ronaldo was taken out, the fourth line could contribute and actually play decent minutes. Mm -hmm. So they've given us all the evidence we need to, you know, say that they have erased the demons. Uh, But I guess I just kind of want to see more of it for me. I don't think four games is enough to sell me on it, especially with the injuries the Jets had.
0: Definitely. And that's a very good case to make because, you know, going into next round, we don't know yet who, we're facing but right. uh um, it's
1: four like there's four possibilities oh, my God. Right. i don't want any of the four like can we just like yeah. withdraw a card and kind of veto this first round and kind of move on to somewhere else because these four opponents here are the four it's vegas st louis colorado or dallas of those i guess four options which is the one you would least like to see vegas. the flames draw vegas. Vegas?
0: i it, Vegas can just go home they can have a nice break like we're good I don't want to see them
1: yeah I'm in the exact same boat (laughs) Vegas is my least want to see team and like it's ridiculous because the the defending Stanley Cup champions and the Colorado Avalanche who embarrassed the Flames are on this list and like it's still like Vegas was a (laughs) awesome regular season team we know the Flames record in Las Vegas I think it's 0-6 or maybe 0-7 um, sure, the Flames don't have to play in Vegas. like They're in Edmonton technically, but um, I still feel like the Golden Knights, Like the Flames can never do well against the Golden Knights, it seems. Um, and they are such a good team. Like Vegas is probably the favorite in a series, I think regardless of who they play, unless they get maybe Colorado or, mm. or St. Louis late in the playoffs. Um, so Vegas is going to be the favorites against whoever they draw. Um, but especially with the individual matchups that they present to Calgary, it is the least want to see Uh, matchup for me and for you now it sounds like as well how about the second least want to see who is the team if it's if we get past if we don't have to worry about Vegas who's the third team remaining that kind of would make you the most scared if you're the Flames
0: I guess St. Louis I mean they are the defending Stanley Cup champions and they they're obviously a good team like (laughs) they wouldn't be in a round robin if they weren't but um I just, I just don't want to see it. I really don't. And they can play a really physical game too mm-hmm. and get into the heads of their opponent. And I would like to not relive uh, the Stanley cup finals from last year Sure. with the flames and uh, blues simply because I mean, <laughs> it's still early in the playoffs, but I just, I don't want to see it.
1: <laughs> yeah. If, if it can't be Vegas, like if, if we somehow get lucky and the Flames don't have to play against Vegas, um, the team that I would next least want to see would be Colorado. Um, I just think that all the history of last year, that's Mm -hmm. one thing. And like, you know, maybe that's motivation for the Flames or maybe it's intimidation for the Flames. Um, I don't think it really matters if it's motivation or intimidation because that Colorado roster is so good and like so young and so skilled. And like, it's just scary. And Nathan McKinnon alone is just scary enough, but uh, with all the other pieces they have, and Kale McCarr um, on the blue line, it's just no. Like it's no thanks. I don't want to yeah. see Colorado at all, um, especially given the history that they have last year. And that you know would give Colorado a little confidence. Like, hey guys, we basically swept these guys last year. Uh, not much has changed too much with either team, so um, that's why Colorado would be my my least second least want to see matchup. Um, now we kind of moving. I guess since it's four teams. Half of four is two. So now we're moving in the positive direction. Who is the third team if if the Flames had to get a matchup? And I guess this would be the team that you would second most like to see the Flames play against, if that makes any sense. Who would that be?
0: I guess, you know, it would be Colorado for me. I think that um, because the Flames are coming off such a hot streak, it, it would be good um, just to see them kind of get that revenge and kind of be like, okay, we're here, we're serious. (laughs) You're not gonna do this again, sort of thing. But, um, you know, I just, Nathan McKinnon is probably gonna run circles around this team, Mm -hmm. but um, it'll be interesting if they do get the abs. uh, Who's the second, who's in second place for you, I guess.
1: Yeah, this is a confusing (laughs) list, but it'll all make sense in the end. Um, I guess the team, that I would, you know, be second most favorable in in terms of seeing the Flames get matched up against would be the Blues. Um, I think that'd be a really fun series. I guess they're second for me selfishly, just because I would love to see the physicality that that presents. The reason why the Blues aren't my matchup that is most favorable to the Flames is because I'd be terrified of what that Blues physicality is going to do to the Flames first line. Because if there's one thing that Flames first line is, is missing would be you know, having someone like Lucic on their line. Now they're so successful because they don't have Lucic on their line and it's three super skilled players in Linhole, Monaghan, and Goudreau. Um, But I would be nervous about what that Blues team could do to that Flames first line. And if the Flames first line goes cold in the first round, then kind of who knows what the result would be. I don't think it would be probably, you know, super favorable for the Flames. So that's why the Blues are number two for me. Um, Now this is our number one team, the team that we most want to see the Flames get matched up against in the first round it's obviously Dallas by process yeah. of el- a process of <laughs> elimination for both of us, so we both have we both have Dallas as our most favorable matchup for the Flames in round one. Um, why do you have Dallas here, Jess?
0: Um, I think I could be wrong, but I believe that I saw um, a stat that said that they have lost like their last nine out of ten games and they haven't won a game since february twenty fifth Which obviously seems like forever ago, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um, I just, I don't think that it would be a problem for the Flames.
1: Right. And, you know, Dallas had a like really solid regular season. Um, They finished third in the Central Division, which is a monster division every single year for like the last decade. Uh, So they're definitely not a slouch team, but, Mm -hmm. you know, in these four teams that the Flames could possibly match up against, it seems like there's two tiers where Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado are in tier one of being, you know, super elite Western conference teams. And then Dallas is just in that next tier down, um, which obviously would be a little bit easier in in theory on paper. This is all in theory um, for the Flames. So, so recapping our most favorable matchups for the Flames uh, Jess has Dallas as most favorable. The Avalanche has second most favorable the blues as third most favorable and then Vegas as the least most favorable. I also have Vegas as the least most favorable. And then going up from there would be Colorado, St. Louis and Dallas. Um, So we won't find out probably until near the end of the weekend. I think we'll know sometime early next week for sure. Um, But I guess there's a 75% chance that the flames are going to get an elite (laughs) Western conference team for round number one of these crazy playoffs.
0: Yes. And still ahead in the show. It's Friday, so we hand out our winners and losers of the week. Locked on Flames with Jess Belmosto and Sean Lavery continues. Don't forget to check out Locked on Jets with Harrison Lee as he has full coverage of Winnipeg's season coming to an end at the hands of the Flames. I have been looking forward to this segment all week because – I, I like handing out awards to people who deserve them.
1: Yes. And, you know, it's Friday. So we do winners and losers. Um, every week, you and I make a little, you know, table where we list our winners and losers and also a fun little shout out to end the week. I'm intrigued by your loser, Jess. And maybe we'll start here because uh, you have just two letters. You have PM. Yes. So I'm wondering is your loser Prime Minister Justin <laughs> Trudeau? Is your loser a <laughs> Prime Minister of another nation? What is this PM that is your loser of the week?
0: Paul Maurice. Oh, Maurice. Yeah. You know, I'm not really a big fan of uh, crybabies, and I feel like he did a lot of whining during this lovely qualifying round series. Right. And then with him not going out and doing a little fist bump, kind of just, you know.
1: Soured you on him even more. Yeah,
0: He's got to grow up a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, I, I don't know if you remember, but in when, when we did our Jets Super Series preview with Harrison prior to the series, I think I remember explaining to you guys that Paul Maurice is probably my mm-hmm. favorite NHL head coach. And this move of not fist bumping the flames is so bizarre to me. And just like for how much I love Paul Maurice, and it's, it's so weird. I don't know why I love this guy so much, but I do. He's my favorite head coach. If I really think there's a, it's likely that, you know, they just didn't think that they were going to be doing handshakes regardless. Um, but I don't know, maybe that, maybe he is just legitimately mad because he's a passionate guy. And if he has that much hate for Kachuk, I could, I could see them skipping out on the handshakes. So I don't know. I, I have to do more research into this, but this yeah. might be one of these questions where we, it's almost like the Kachuk incident itself. We'll probably yes. never get the actual ha- answer to the kind of motivation behind the action. So, um, I could see Paul Maurice being the loser of the week. And like we said, or, you know, based on Ryan Leslie's tweet uh, from Sportsnet last night, he kind of framed it in a way that, you know, there was kind of a bit of sourness geared toward the decision. Uh, so it is, that's a sour loser of the week for you, Jess. Mr. Paul Maurice, yes. my guy, he's kind of losing cred with <laughs> me now. I don't know what to think anymore. How about we go positive? Who is your winner of the week?
0: I will say Cam Talbot and obviously just like, Flames goaltending in general, I think that he was absolutely phenomenal this series. And his wife was really cute on Twitter posting mm-hmm. um, her like their kids and being their dad's number one cheerleader. And recording the shutout yesterday was, you know, really, it solidified to me why he was starting.
1: Right. I'll mm-hmm. quickly rip through mine. My winner of the week is Milan Lucic. Um, if Paul Maurice is is losing credibility with me, uh, Milan Lucic gained it in spades in this uh, qualifying round series. He's probably the flame I l- like the least following Zach Ronaldo. Um, but this guy, like if he's going to play this way throughout the whole playoffs, I think the flames have a good chance of making a pretty decent run. Um, so Lucic is my winner of the week, just by the way he handled himself against the Jets. And quickly, my loser of the week is the poor Maple Leaf fans who have to endure <laughs> another th- like multi-goal playoff collapse, technically on home ice because it was in Toronto, even though they weren't the home team. At the time we're recording this right now, they're down 2-0 to the Blue Jackets yep. at Game 4, halfway through the game. So, <laughs> I mean, those Leaf fans, it's just oh. never-ending. And I was watching the Leaf game yesterday prior to the Flames game, and, you know, it was 3-0. I was thinking, haha, like how funny would it be? Um, but, you know, it, it happened, and it was – it was bananas. I can't believe it actually happened again. I, every time it, it's happened previously, I think, okay, this is the last time. Like, how many 3 nothing leads can you blow in the playoffs? Uh, but they keep proving us wrong. They're amazing. So uh, shout-out to the Leaf fans, you poor losers of the week. It must be tough to be in Toronto right now, but it's a good thing we're in Calgary doing locked on flames instead. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Do you have a quick shout-out, shout-out for the week?
0: I Okay, so my friend Matt, um, he's not a super big hockey fan, uh, but he predicted – Flames and four. And I told him, I was like, you know what, I'm going to hold you to that. And if you get it right, you're going to get a shout out on the show. So congratulations, Matt.
1: Yes, Matt.
0: Thanks for betting on the right team.
1: Good man. I think here in in, at local sports radio in in Calgary on Sportsnet 960, most of the guys I heard on the air predicted the Jets winning as well. Um, And there's only one guy that I know of that picked the flames and and was successful as well. So it seems like a lot of people, not just us, uh, were on the Jets side of things. So Matt is on the Lone Island, the (laughs) the sparsely populated island of people who correctly predicted the outcome of the series. Uh, So shout out to Matt indeed. Uh, My quick shout out will just be the NHL qualifying round actually being – like this has been like a legit playoff hockey vibe. Like it's been Mm -hmm. focused on hockey, and you and I have been talking about – you know, lineup decisions and how the flames are playing and the power play needs to be better. And, you know, we're kind of not worried about uh, COVID-19 at least for a couple hours a day um, throughout the week. So um, the NHL qualifying round has done a great job. I think of actually just being playoff hockey Um, and I'm excited to have even more and hopefully the flames are around for a bit, Um, So we can have, you know, kind of more nights where we just kind of forget about all the craziness and we can just watch hockey and, you know, kind of whine and complain about penalty kills and (laughs) goaltending and things like that. So shout out to the NHL for actually, you know, being like you were uh, when the world was normal.
0: Definitely. And it's just nice to come home after a long day and unwind with, I don't want to call it meaningless hockey because like, it's obviously the playoffs, but to have something that's not the news and another press conference with statistics about covid and instead we're watching a graphic with Connor mcdavid goals and all of his ridiculous numbers and that's what i like to see
1: yeah someone had a great tweet last night they said the world is coming back to normal again the leafs are blowing playoff leads in toronto so um, things are turning around if that's a sign of normalcy coming back then i'll take it
0: yeah you know i i <laughs> I'm very happy, and I'm even more happy to see the Tarang maple leafs imploding, but (laughs) That's just me.
1: It's good for everyone. If you're not a Leaf fan, um, all the other 30 markets want to see you implode. So um, way to be Toronto, Toronto. Way to keep it up. Um, Coming up next segment, we're going to have Harrison Lee from Locked On Jets. You and I had a few kind of outstanding questions, I think, uh, from yesterday's episode about the Jets. Um, So Harrison's going to come on and and kind of explain how he thought the series progressed from Winnipeg's perspective. You are listening to Locked On Flames.
0: Welcome back. Uh, We have Harrison Lee from Locked On Jets joining us today. Harrison, how are you feeling? Um, About 20 hours (sighs) post-game?
2: I have many emotions. Uh, I guess I'm not really surprised. Um, Some part of me is maybe a tiny bit relieved that, you, you know, I think Winnipeg, in a lot of ways, wasn't really prepared to advance. So... I understand them losing. I, I prepared myself for this moment. I think the way that it happened was probably not not super ideal is how I would put it.
0: Definitely, I think that, uh, you know, the unfortunate injuries um, really played a big role in this outcome. Uh, how different do you think the series would have been without those injuries?
2: Honestly, I'm not sure because it, it sort of depends on which version of the Jets showed up when they first kind of came out and were were rolling things looked okay. But um, once the injuries piled up and we started seeing some of the other players, you know, stepping into elevated roles, uh, there were some odd step backs. I noticed um, a couple of guys like Neil Pionk really looked like they were just struggling. Dmitry Kulikov also had a number of sequences where he looked more like he was in Buffalo than when he was in, um, I believe it was Montreal, and he or no, sorry, I think with the Panthers, and he was actually pretty good back then. So I think enough players looked a bit rusty and a step behind that even if Shifley and Line a were at back to full strength, I'm not 100% convinced the result would have been different. Her, her, sorry, Oops,
0: sorry because, Sean, you can go.
1: No worries. Um, sorry about that. Harrison, I don't know if you got a chance to catch any of our locked on flames episodes throughout the series, but after almost every game, it felt like I was kind of every game the jets lost. I was, I was justifying everything by saying, you know, the flames did really well, blah, blah, blah. Um, but none of it was really ever Hallibuck's fault. In my opinion, at really any point in the series, um, I think you could easily say, you know, he could have played better, but I don't think he was like bad, And he wasn't the reason the jets lost the series at all. Um, how are things kind of being digested in Winnipeg and, and from a Jets fan's perspective in terms of Hellebuck's play? Like I was waiting prior to game four for him to come out and absolutely steal a game and just, you know, have that 45 save game where the Jets have no business winning, but they do win because of Hellebuck's play. I was waiting for that to happen. It never really happened. So, you know, how is Hellebuck's series as the likely Vesna winner kind of being digested by Jets fans? Do they kind of sit on my side where they think it's not really his fault? Um, Or is there some, you know, kind of fist-waving at Hellebuck?
2: I think I heard exactly one person on the radio uh, say something negative towards Hellebuck's performance, and he immediately got rightfully castigated for it because Mm -hmm. it's just stupid. I mean, the Jets were – I don't think that there's any real blame that you can lay at Hellebuck's feet. I mean, most of the goals came um, not even at even strength, which is a, a really bad sign if you're the Jets. Um, The penalty kill was a disaster, which it's been, you know, a a serious issue for like five years now. But in this series where the Jets had even fewer roster players, it was just a nightmare. And Hellebuck didn't really have a whole lot of support. You know, people could say, oh, you know, maybe he makes one or two extra saves. And it's like, and what does that do? I mean, I don't think that Hellebuck really could play significantly better barring just a, you know, there was one or two incidents, I think the, the one with Pionk behind the net was probably the most egregious. Right. But I don't know beyond that. I just don't really see how anyone could really lay the series blame at Hellebuck's feet. I mean, the rest of the team just didn't show up. So.
0: That's definitely a fair assessment. And, you know, you kind of do feel bad for Hellebuck because he had such an outstanding regular season and, obviously one that was good enough to get him a Vezna uh, nomination and just to have your team kind of deflate like that in front of you just it's disappointing um do you think that Kyle Connor is um you know I don't want to say to blame but maybe needs to be a bit of a bigger topic of conversation since he did lead the regular season as a goal, as a goal scorer for the Jets.
2: Kyle Connor's is kind of a funny player because I have this conversation with a lot of people who aren't Jets fans, but always see like his goal highlights and stuff. And I always have to tell people Kyle Connor is in, in a lot of ways, a little bit overrated. I think a lot of people think that he's a phenomenally underrated player. And the truth is it's more like he's overrated just because without an elite center he has a lot of trouble creating space so i think those of us who have like tracked his play and sort of watched him develop from his rookie year had a pretty good understanding of what would happen if you took shifley out of the equation and all of us i think were to some degree expecting a downturn i think even then i was still a little bit surprised by just how much he struggled because you kind of look at that line that top line especially and and connor had a lot of issues. Uh, he was able to skate around the perimeter, but his bread and butter is getting into that slot area where he's able to get his release off and really show off why he is one of the most dangerous one-on-one scorers in the league. But he just never got into those areas, barring one or two chances that Talbot snuffed out. Uh, and, and, and Talbot was miraculous on a couple of those saves. But I think overall, people are going to start understanding why Connor has a few holes in his game that make him a little bit questionable, especially in that, in that role. And I also think Blake Wheeler getting older and and him not being able to help out that line as much uh, was also kind of an underrated narrative. And part of the reason that even Connor was struggling as well. So just a lot of issues with the, uh, the top six. And I think Connor is, is for me one of the leading stories that people are going to pick up on, but it's kind of been a recurring issue for a while now. He's just been able to hide it when he's with Shifley because he can score like 40 goals with Mark on his, uh, as a central pivot.
1: Harrison, I just have one more question here before we let you go. And thanks so much again for joining us here on locked on flames. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Jess and I recorded a podcast yesterday directly after the game. And one thing I missed completely in that podcast was a tweet that dropped from Ryan Leslie of Sportsnet. He does all the flames uh, TV coverage here in Calgary on for Sportsnet. He tweeted out that Paul Maurice and the Jets coaching staff did not join the players on the ice for the post game, I guess, fist bumps in the COVID world. Um, you know, I don't know. That might even be something as simple as Maurice and his staff kind of not knowing that they're going to do handshakes. Cause that's a question I had. I didn't, I didn't know if they were going to do handshakes after the game with COVID going on, but they did the fist bumps. Uh, but Maurice and his staff not doing the fist bumps kind of feeds to the fire and the legitimacy of his comments where he said that Kachuk play on Shifley was, you know, on purpose and intentional. Um, do you think that play was intentional? And what do you kind of make of Maurice making that bold statement by not, you know, acknowledging the Flames players and, and giving them the proper um, handshakes and fist bumps after those series?
2: I, I think, as far as Tuchuk is concerned, I don't think that the specific outcome and everything was what was intentional at all. I didn't really get that read on that situation. I, I do think that what Tuchuk did was probably not good. And, you know, everyone can debate about what his intention was when he lifted his skate. I don't know what goes on in his mind, but I know that in the heat of the moment, people do dumb things frequently. So it wouldn't Mm -hmm. shock me if, you know, for some reason he just lifted his skate because he lost focus, wasn't thinking straight. Um, I don't know. There's any variety of reasons, but I think Maurice's reaction was definitely on the overkill side. And I I get it from his perspective because he's defending his players and he wants to call the league's attention to it especially because it's not like Tuchuk uh, has has gotten away scot-free with stuff before. He is somebody that often has a bit of a magnifying lens. But I don't know. I feel like that whole situation was kind of ridiculous. And it's interesting you talked about the the, the Ryan Leslie tweet because I, I posted that earlier and people told me, oh, it's just the COVID thing. But to me it sounded like – and I didn't see that whole sequence, but I, it sounded like the Jets had just skipped out on the uh, – the Jets staff had just skipped out on the, the fist bump too. So – I don't know, he said handshake line, I wasn't sure, and I didn't actually right. see that particular part. Um, but if they really did skip out because they were upset with the Flames, I don't really care for that as much. I mean, you just have to sort of take your lumps and live with it. Um, but I don't know, this series has uh, created a rivalry from basically out of nothing. So, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally, and like you said, like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if it was just a simple case of Maurice and his staff kind of, you know, not thinking and realizing that um, handshakes are going to happen even though we're in the COVID world where we, we don't really want people kind of touching each other. So um, I wouldn't be shocked at all shocked at all if it was just a simple kind of mistake of reading the situation as opposed to an alert, hey, like we don't like the Flames, we're not going to acknowledge and give you guys some respect. So, um, you know, I, I'm in the same boat as you, Harrison. I didn't see the full thing, so I couldn't give the context. I just saw the Ryan Leslie tweet um, and the way that tweet was kind of framed made it seem like Maurice kind of had ill intentions but uh no ill intentions towards you harrison and locked on jets you do amazing stuff over there and thank you so much for joining us we hope you at least enjoyed having a week of distraction and actual hockey back in your life uh, even though it was short-lived in four games
2: now we look forward to monday oh boy
0: oh yes.
2: yes thanks so much for having me on guys
0: of course and coming up next week sean and i will bring you a full preview of the Flames' first round of the playoffs, as we should have an actual opponent to break down and look forward to. You can follow us on Twitter at Jessica Belmasto and Sean Underscore Lavery, and be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Locked On Flames as soon as it, as soon as it's available each day. Don't forget to subscribe and listen to Locked On Flames with Michael DeStefano as he as he tries to console Leaf fans after yet another three-goal lead blown in the playoffs on what it is technically home ice for them. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we will chat on Monday.